Hello to my fellow humans with true crime obsessions. Welcome back to Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. I am Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom with my co-host, the baby dog Rory, somewhere in my house. He's always somewhere, right? <laughs> Today we're going to look at a weird murder kind of mystery here in Michigan um, that is related to one of Detroit's most wanted. Let's go. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for not hating me for missing last week. We got a kind of last minute invitation to go to a pumpkin patch with my goddaughter who's uh, two, two months old now. And just one of those things, you know, family and wanted to make sure that I got to spend some time with her. I hadn't been able to see her in a little while. And so yeah, I'm really, it was really nice to be able to spend the time. I do apologize, but here we are. Everybody, hope everybody is doing well, enjoyed the spooky season, and is slowly transitioning into Thanksgiving. It's not Christmas yet. Give it a couple weeks, then we can do Christmas. Thanksgiving here first. Um, but I hope you are all doing well. Uh, things are pretty okay on this side of things. Back into the gym, lost a couple pounds, uh, which was good. A few inches all around. Um, after, you know, the miscarriage and everything, I got I gained like seven or eight pounds while I was still pregnant and then the miscarriage August I just ate like shit to be honest with you so I just I gained a lot of weight and like hormones and stuff were wild like I couldn't imagine after like a full term pregnancy like actually doing having the actual baby and everything because my hormones were wild like I got horrible acne like my skin broke out I lost hair um, which was really discouraging but I got my hair done a couple of weeks ago, and the and the lady said my hair is growing back. Like I had baby hair in the in the front where I was losing some of my hair, so I was like really self conscious about that as well. So things are going well. We are healing. We are out here. It is very warm here in Michigan, which is weird because it's not supposed to be warm. It's November. It should be starting to get cold, and it hasn't even snowed yet, which is so weird. I am thinking that we are going to be in for a freaking brutal winter and I'm not ready. I'm not here for it. <laughs> um, I'll be here as long as I have to be, but I'm not here for it. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to kind of get back in here. I wrote two episodes this week, so you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I, and so it just makes my process easier if I record or I do the research ahead of time versus like Sunday morning getting down here researching for two hours, then recording for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. It could just makes things <laughs> very complicated for me. So I took the opportunity and got things uh, written uh, earlier this week in in an even, in, in one of my evenings that I had off. So yeah, um, let's get started. One of Detroit's most wanted, I think I've heard of this case before, but I'm trying to do things that are more a little bit like homegrown well, not homegrown, that's kind of weird to say, but Michigan-based things, because that's what we did last week, uh, or two weeks ago now, with the Dochery Hotel and the Purple Gang. So today, we are going to look at uh, Sarah Porter Knight. I've seen Sarah Porter some places, and Sarah Knight, uh, she was murdered 
and uh, very weird, and this, her killer is actually one of Detroit's most wanted. So let's get started. Imagine you're a 911 operator. Couldn't be me. I don't have the stomach nor the patience. I have too much anxiety, but I'm happy that there are people out there that are willing to do that and able to do that. Great. And the person on the line um, says, okay, and this is, quote, okay, um, I strangled her. She is dead and she is laying on the living room floor. You need to get law enforcement out here to do whatever they do with dead bodies. He didn't identify himself. And then the person claimed he was leaving the country. I would like to say generally when someone calls 911, they need help. They're not admitting to have just murdered someone. I feel like that isn't a very common thing. If you are a 911 operator, feel free to reach out and let me know that it, that is common. But I don't, I don't think it is. So very, very interesting. So the deceased woman that the caller mentioned was Sarah Porter Knight. She was described as being a very beloved person, highly regarded human being. She was the mother to three children, and she was a respiratory therapist um, because of her. She was really, really good at inserting and removing breathing tubes in patients, which I'm sure is a science, to say the very least. And I'm sure during the COVID pandemic, I know that that was a big thing. So, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a skill, to say the very least. Her daughter described her to the Sun Journal as an outdoors enthusiast. She loved to hunt, fish, paddle her kayak. She would even, she was that person that would pick up injured or abandoned wildlife and then brought them home and nursed them back to life. Uh, she loved lighthouses, which are a big thing here in Michigan, if you didn't know, and often would take excursions through Maine, where she did live at one point in Michigan, uh, to find those lighthouses that she hadn't visited. There's a lot up in like northern Michigan. There's some really pretty ones on Mackinac Island. Um, so she had so many pictures of lighthouses all around her mailbox, her garage door. She loved lighthouses. So Sarah met a man named Harold Knight, also known as Butch when Sarah was working with Butch's mother as a respiratory therapist. They ended up getting married after a while in 2001. There was a little bit of an age gap of 18 years, but from the outside, it seemed as if they made it work and you know they led a pretty happy life. They were very opposite. Uh, we know that Sarah was very successful, had a natural way with people, whereas, according to others, Butch didn't really have any drive um, or passion to succeed. And people were like, what is this, what does Sarah see in him? So it's very weird. Um, they lived in Maine for a few years, but then they ended up moving back to Michigan in 2014. Like I said, they appeared happy, but there were some indicators that things had maybe been a little strained, according to Sarah's daughter, the same one that described her earlier as the outdoors enthusiastic, enthusiast everything. So her name's, daughter's name is Roxanne. She said that her mother never really told her that the mar marriage was in trouble um, or that she needed to leave. Her daughter, Roxanne, said you, she didn't really complain about anything, but you could tell they were having a little few issues uh, about money and, um, you know, when you make a big move, you know, remember they moved from Maine to Michigan, 
that, yeah, that's a big financial burden. Roxanne said that her mother had been kind of acting a little bit strangely. And even Roxanne and her mom, mother's friends offered her a place to stay like, hey, if you need to get out of there, come stay with us. You know, you, you're a safe spot. So they're doing like this great, wonderful thing to, you know, support their friend and their mother. So let's go back to that 911 call. Right, we know Sarah's a great person, great person, but this 911 call is weird. So this 911 call was traced back to Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is where the University of Michigan is housed. Lots of really awesome things. It's a, like the lower middle part of Michigan. So who was that caller? The police do know that they, that caller didn't stay there long, but I'm sure it's not too surprising to know that the caller was Butch, her husband. When they got to the house um, where they said Butch essentially said that she was at, and he was identified, his son identified him, like his voice on the 911 call. So when the police got there, they found 48-year-old Sarah uh, covered with a sheet, and she had been strangled to death. And then uh, on a table close by, there were some addresses and phone numbers of Sarah's relatives, so they could be contacted. The coroner placed the time of death uh, sometime on January 11th, 2015. According to the, to the police though, Butch had withdrew all the money from the couple's bank account um, and bought a pistol and ammunition and they traced him going into a place called Rangely, Maine. So back to Maine. He, this is when they figured out that he checked into a motel on January 15th and stayed there for about four days. So he was, he had a plan, it sounds like, right? So the motel owner, Joey Morton, said he remembered night wearing this one-piece camouflage suit. It was almost like, it kind of looks like a really large onesie, essentially. He was described as looking calm, just walking around. Um, and the only reason he really stood out was because of the, the large camouflage outfit. Butch, had dyed his hair and his mustache black and then left Sarah's car, where, uh, which he was using to travel at a Walmart parking lot about 35 miles from the room, uh, from the hotel. And there was also more evidence, like there's pictures and you can tell that it's like some video surveillance pictures. It's very obvious that he like did some dyeing to his hair. Um, and there was also hair dye found in on like the pillowcases in the in the motel room during his time at the hotel uh, butch sent sarah's mother a letter and two thousand dollars he wanted to honor sarah's wish to be cremated he also wrote um and essentially admitted to killing sarah because that he was involved with some drugs and that he had seen something however there's no connection to him and any kind of narcotics at all. So very weird. Um, he ended up checking out of the motel January 19th. He was seen near the Canadian border and they believed that he fled the country. Despite following a lot of leads in several states, he hasn't been seen since. He checked out of the hotel, the motel. And this is still an open case. Um, when he was last seen, he was 6'4 tall, weighed about 285 pounds. Uh, he was born July 11th, 1948. He wears glasses and has a scar on his abdomen. 
He's hard of hearing and is diabetic, and he has training in a lot of different things, uh, accounting, computers, truck driving, and woodworking. And there had been some evidence that he was looking into a lifestyle of the Amish and maybe hiding among the Amish. I know there was some concern too, because remember he left the car in Walmart. They think that he fled, but it was cold because it's January. And if I remember correctly, January like 2015 was rough. That was a rough winter all over the country. So there is some fear that he might have passed because they have there's been no scenes of him without and he had diabetes he was a big man and I think that there is probably um, a possibility that he could have passed away as well so they don't know still an open case the US Marshals are continuing to look for him um, but he and he is one of Detroit's most wanted people um, so it's very sad it's a tragic story of um, you know, you never really know anyone, and it seems like, it doesn't seem like he planned to do it, but he did have some kind of plan. Like, he knew what he was going to do. It just seems weird to me. Um, I hope they eventually find him or find his remains or what happens, but that's kind of it. It's an open case. Very, very tragic. Sarah seemed like a very, very wonderful woman. And I'm so sad that she, her life was cut so short because she had a lot of really wonderful skills, especially when it comes, like I said, to the respiratory therapist. And we needed more respiratory therapist people during the pandemic. And this wasn't that long ago, seven years ago. Who knows if she still would have been working, but you know, she's just one of those people that I think we really could have used on the front lines. And it's tragic that this scumbag <laughs> took took her from from us from for me, seemingly no reason from my it seems like there's no reason for her to be gone um, because there was no connection they couldn't find any connection to him doing drugs very very tragic and I hope that someday they can figure out what happened to him and um, get Sarah the justice that she deserves well I appreciate everyone tuning in short episode but still good. Follow me on any of the social medias, pretty much. TikTok uh, at CODogmom.com, uh, podcast. You can find me on Instagram. I'll be posting uh, some updates there soon with this episode and all the other episodes. And on the Twitter, you can tweet me or that. I would say I'm probably the most active on TikTok. I recently started a book talk and I have like almost 600 followers. We're kind of popping off. So uh, if you have any like true crime books that you want to suggest to me, holla at your girl. And I would love to listen to any books or read any books that are true crime related. Um, but yeah, so I appreciate everybody coming in today. Coming in, that sounded weird. <laughs> checking, checking this episode out. I appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, Feel free to reach out and I will holla at you all next week.